1: Shop now, in store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast are available for virtual parties. Jeez. Welcome to another
2: edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Setzler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is that, boys? Hey Dan! Hey! Oh yeah, we're hey. back. Sorry, we're starting a little bit late. I had a um, minor catastrophe in the backyard. Uh, the boys again. Again, we're getting into what is this month
3: three or heading towards month three? Like week Year seven or eight. or eight? Week seven or eight? Yeah. I don't think calendars matter anymore, but that's probably write. accurate.
2: I feel badly for them is I want to destroy them, but I also I pity them because they have. there's only so much they can do. And we're all in a similar situation. We all have similar sized homes. We're all in this kind of like same area of the city where we don't we're not living in opulent mansions. We don't have help. The children can't even go to a park. So I actually cut them some slack when they do things like take the garden hose and then just spray it at full power uh right against the side of the house creating potentially a foundational issue because we left them unattended for 15 minutes. <laughs> like this is the stuff that that's happening. Uh, Emily and I both work. And that's you, you got to factor in that we are very fortunate that we're both working and everyone on the show has a job and uh it would be even worse to lose your job, which millions of people have. Uh, but it is just another reminder that everyone, unless you are in that 1%, is getting affected by this and there's no finish line. I can't take it. I need a finish line. Someone's got to tell me when this is over. Somebody.
4: I don't think there is an over. I mean, that that doesn't I don't make think, people I don't want to hear that feel that. There, I don't want to hear I'm sick of people saying, well, the old way
2: of life is over forever. I don't want to hear that either.
4: It's just different. It's different. But I think there's a lot more comfortable different uh, that's in the future. And who, who knows when we're, when we're getting to that. So it's I, gotta, be, like, it's gotta be different, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, you're
3: not gonna get lines that you like about this, uh, Dan. I think in general, <laughs> I mean, I, there's probably a lot of uh, think th- you probably desire a lot of things right now. You're not gonna get most of them. I'm at the point where I find it funny that a month ago was kind of like, hey, this is different and it's really cool to like hang out with like old friends on Zoom. Now I'm kind of like over most of those people and over the <laughs> Zoom parties. Like I'm totally bored with having a beard. Um, there's no, novelty I do to that, my beard, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, it's yeah. just kind of, we didn't do a new cycle of ultra boredom. And like, I have a billion kid, kid anecdotes that are happening here, but I'm bored by them. Like they're doing the same thing day after Yikes. day. And I like, it just feels like a, a zombie march through, uh, endless weeks. Zoom peaked. Yeah.
2: So we lost that as well. Now,
3: maybe not for like the party set. I don't know. I'm just kind of t- at there's night. There's no I'm party little- set. Well, There are some out there that I I have actually good information on a few people that have basically told me I'm not going to say who that they've never been quarantining at all and have been just like floating from like friends houses to friends houses. And um, Mm. that is a different existence than I think the four of us have been um, experiencing
2: quite irresponsible, actually.
3: I just want to choke
5: slam anyone who uses the phrase new normal. More than one time in a conversation.
2: <laughs> Stop what? with the new normal. Greg, you're uh, safely on a different part of the, in a different part of the city right I now. I didn't say new normal, did I? I don't no. think so.
3: No, you, you said around
4: it. Normal. No, I mean, uh, I just answered your question. When are we getting
2: back? back I also, the like, Greg, one of your favorite lines is nobody knows and all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing with people saying, like, listen, things aren't going to be the way they used to be. You don't know. Right. right.
4: Well, I, I just... just Race, I just mean until there's yeah. a
2: vaccine,
4: I think it's a it's a fair uh, or, or a great therapeutic treatment. There's probably it, it's a fair estimation that that things are just going to be a little different, even if even if we're back to work and there's different things going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, how could it how could it not be different? This is the most seismic uh, world changing event of our lifetime. So e- even if even if it gets to be in the rearview mirror, like everything that it's changed is still going to be changed <laughs> you know? like that. You know, this is it. Like we're going to be talking about this for the rest of our lives.
2: Ricky, give me something just recklessly positive about the future. <laughs>
1: Um, recklessly positive. Yeah, just like some. Just if we could like survive this, if we could survive this, we could survive anything. Oh. I'm talking like
4: mm. I'm gonna. That just makes us look spoiled. I think. I feel like. No. Yeah, true. It's not that. Bad. It, it like, could get a war. lot worse.
1: Though. People went to war, and we like, oh, I'm stuck at home with my Netflix. Like this sucks. Like <laughs> I never want to go back to the office. I do the podcast every day. You know, in no pants. Like I can't right. do that at the office. Well it no it shelter. has turned
3: me anti office. Um I the idea of having to you know, I can. I basically wear three shirts now, and um, you know, well, you I think always we, have. Well, we all get that. <laughs> we get that no one's wearing pants when they're on air and all this other business. That's that's played out. But it's like okay. we just basically can, <laughs> like, put the same three or four Ooh, items into the laundry yeah. over and over. I, that I like. I like the simple nature of some aspects of it. I don't need the whole dog and pony show of walking around the office. You know, giving everyone a high five and mm. chatterbox. <laughs> we're getting <hours>
4: so, <laughs> We're getting some of the same the same mark fire as a normal May. You yeah. know, so.
3: It feels like where everything is back to normal. Well, I mean, where are we vacationing this offseason? That's been tabled. I mean, that doesn't help the mood. Uh, That's what I'm Vacation about. in your living room, you know, when the kids go to bed, please.
2: Vicky's right, though. Wes, uh, you know, it could be worse. We could have turned 18 and they put a rifle in our hand, you know, sent, it off, sent us well, off to a foreign land.
5: I was going to say wars have, for the most part, dried up around the world. We what? don't live Whoa. they have.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Wars have I mean free. Africa and the Middle East would like to say hello, you know. This I've is the least
5: bellicose time in history. The last 20, 30 years. I mean, wars are not nearly the man killers that they were throughout history, but now we have pandemics and what I believe is the biggest problem, worldwide what anxiety. Worldwide everybody is mentally ill now. And that I don't see that going away ever.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's talk about football.
5: I'm enjoying my
4: time with my kids. I mean the, the church parking lot, uh, they're sick of us uh making a lot of noise about three hours a day, but like I'm gonna miss that that little parking lot. We've we've been biking up and down that thing. We're we're wearing it out.
3: Where's it going? Where is the parking lot going?
4: Well, I just I feel like what well it's not going anywhere. You're right. We could just keep going to that to that New parking habits. lot for three hours a day.
1: <laughs> but if there's cars in it,
2: Right then, the cars will return at some point. I believe the America and our intervention in Iraq still at, at an act of war. I don't think well, that's even technically well, over. Yeah, Afghanistan, they
4: they they did this crazy thing. They announced the pull out, but then they didn't actually pull out. That was a well, few months back. They throw paper there's,
5: wads at each other every once in a while. What's going on there?
4: There's a lot of people dying there still. A lot of We're Americans are still technically dying there all
2: the time. Anyway, nice start to the show. There's just a little bit of frustration. That's all. And I think good thing about this podcast is uh, we get to share it with each other and the audience, because I think a lot of you guys listening feel the same way I imagine. All right. But now let's talk about football because it is a release uh, and it is a good distraction. Even if the draft is over and we're about to enter a quiet area on the NFL calendar, made even more quiet by potentially, uh, not potentially by the fact that there's not going to be any actual organized team activities and mini camps. Uh, but we still have plenty to talk about. Uh, we are going to talk about pressure points, uh, in the post draft landscape, which individuals, does everybody, is everybody, ref, um, talking about players or their coaches or their whole teams? I'm not sure what you guys came down with, but just individuals or teams that are in a pressure point after free agency and the draft as we look ahead to the 2020 season. But before that, let's do some news.
5: Let's go do this together. Playmakers on three. One, two, three.
2: Playmakers. Andy Dalton's time with the Cincinnati Bengals is officially over. The Bengals released the glowing ginger man after nine seasons. Uh, The Bengals would have taken on almost $18 in salary by keeping Dalton 2020, and there was speculation that that could still happen even after the Bengals took uh, Joe Burrow number one overall last week. But instead working with Dalton, and I thought this was a sign of good faith between team and player. Good job by the Bengals. He wants a fresh start, so they give him one, and I will note before throwing it to you boys that NFL Network Steve Weish, our boy, a friend of the show, reports that the Jaguars have, quote, legitimate interest in Dalton West. That makes sense to me, and I imagine Dalton should find a home relatively quickly, and it's a different situation than Cam Newton.
5: Yeah, the Jaguars seem like the only team that we know is interested. Um, everyone else is just speculation. They've been tied to the Patriots through many different channels. Peter King talked about that connection early in the week. Um, but the Patriots have shown there's been no leak out of there that, that they're interested. Um, I'd just like to point out for just a little recap of Dalton's Bengals career. Mm. He has a higher career winning percentage with the Bengals, then Kenny Anderson, who I believe should be in the Hall of Fame, Boomer Esiason, who won the MVP in 1988, Carson Palmer, whose, uh, 2000, what year was that? 2005 Five. offense was maybe the best offense in Bengals history right up there with the 1988 team. Um, he has a higher career winning percentage than all of those guys, and he owns some franchise record for passing volume. Um, if I can't get you to stop using career passing volume stats, uh, that should do it because <laughs> while, while his numbers are higher, it's totally the result of the era in which he played. And I would say the lows with Andy Dalton were lower, and the highs not nearly as high as Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason, and Carson Palmer. If we remove Greg Cook, uh, who had one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history but never played again after that, I'd say he's fourth in Bengals franchise history behind Anderson, Esiason, and Palmer and ahead of Jeff Blake on the list of best quarterbacks. Hmm. That's not, not a bad. great list yeah, but not it's a top also, for a 2011 second round pick who had very low expectations coming in.
4: Right. He, he ultimately has had a great career. And there was that one year, you know, they went 10 and three while Dalton was the starter in 2015. He was second in the league in yards per attempt. He had 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He he had a nice little run. And um, I, I think he'll
2: have another. Five, he broke his thumb. One of those uh, pressure points or turning points in Bengals history, just like Carson Palmer getting his knee blown out in the playoffs against the Steelers. I think he'll
4: have a nice, you know, next five to six, seven years as as a borderline starter and backup. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him starting games with the Jaguars. At this point, hearing that they're interested, I'd be surprised if he's anywhere else because I think they'll – They'll give him a fair backup contract, whatever it needs to be, four, five, six, seven. I don't think they're going to give him a starter-type contract, but I just don't see the, another team out there that's going to just outbid him. Why would he not want to play with Jay Gruden? He played great under Jay Gruden.
3: Right. I mean, I, and there's no indication that their relationship is anything but um, you know cordial. And, and if you're Andy Dalton, you want to go somewhere where you have a chance to start if things, if the wheels fall off. And, and to me, I think he fits the Jaguars um, because we don't quite know that Gardner Minshew – is a plug-and-play, sir. I mean, if I were to make a sandwich prop, I would say Andy Dalton starts six games in Jacksonville if he goes there. No problem at all. I mean, I just think that's probably how a, a rough season could play out. And exactly we, six games?
4: Because I'll
3: take Six or more. Then. I mean, oh, okay. six or more. But, I mean, six it's I, there are other teams, though, now that he's out there um, that, you know, I look at, and I, I guess the Falcons have just are on a, a year eight of totally <laughs> honking oh, no, no, Matt no, Schaub, not, not to keep, get some it is, heat again. You, Matt Schaub, it's like you want a safe... <laughs> guy who won't cause waves like Andy Dalton is your next version of that like put him in there he's much better than Matt Schott. Well you could
2: and why would Andy Dalton want to go to Atlanta
3: I'm not saying he'd want to go he'd want to go where he has a chance to start and and, and that does for me feel like it's Jacksonville and little else the, the Seahawks don't even have a backup quarterback right now um, right. you know he's not a Russell Wilson another place he would clone. Want to don't try to go somewhere to go where he could Seattle. start. I
4: mean, if we're talking I, about backups, I mean, there's a lot of teams that need back. The Jets have no backup whatsoever. I can't sense, imma- yeah. I can't imagine that they would go Broncos. into the season the way they are they are. Broncos. Broncos say Driscoll's their guy, but you mentioned Seahawks, Patriots, I think we're only going to do it if he was at the absolute bargain bin and it sounds like I think Jacksonville it's just going to happen there quick. How close
2: is Dalton's got to be pretty close to the bargain bin at this? I guess
4: maybe, maybe it's have no cap space either. I just don't think they're paying. They're going
2: for a quarterback. That's going to cost any money at all. Feels like a great roll of the dice, just like Winston. That was a nice place for him to land without a lot of leverage. If I was Andy Dalton, I would race to the Patriots if they offered me even a, a low level contract because of the opportunity to start there this year, if the kid can't play. And I'm just curious, do you think that, Dalton, well, we shouldn't speculate too much. We don't know. But if he did end up in Jacksonville, do you think he has a chance to win the starting job? Yes, ahead week absolutely. One?
3: Yes, because of it's all relationships. And Gruden knows how much of a safe player he is in terms of being a relatively stable quarterback. And Gruden has no ties to Minshew. So if Minshew had a some sort of a year two flounder in a non-training camp season, potentially, where you roll into games and you're just not getting it done, the way he looked in London in that one game... Dalton would be a quick answer to that.
4: Well, yeah, you think about who has the advantage, normally the guy who's been there in terms of continuity, but Dalton does because Minshew's never been in Jay Gruden's offense, and Dalton has. So, I mean, he he's kind of got a leg up there if they miss, you know, if, assuming they miss off-season
2: practices. To be continued on that front, speaking of Jameis Winston, he met with the Saints media on a Zoom call uh, on... Tuesday on Wednesday. Um, Here's
0: what he had to say. There's no
5: blurriness.
0: uh, And I I think that's, that's, that's huge depth perception has uh, increased. Like I can read license plates. I can read street signs. Um, I I think the, the precision in the vision is uh, the the biggest difference.
2: That is my favorite sentence of the off season, Greg Roosevelt. I think the precision in the vision is the biggest difference. (laughs) I love
4: Jameis, and I love that the the Saints fans that listen to him who are feel awkward about this whole thing. What well, we got to root for Jameis Winston? Now suddenly like him now, and just because oh, they yeah. realize he's he's a crazy uh, personality. Uh, yeah, he mentioned depth perception increased tremendously. He didn't just have bad eyes; he had astigmatism.
0: What I mean, was the he, delay
4: here. This is a guy who was starting in the NFL, you know, having like a you know a, almost a billion dollar franchise on his shoulders, and he couldn't see straight while he was playing. What if he comes out of this and he's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Well, I mean, that? If, it,
3: if it fixes his <laughs> main issue, that would be insane. I would. I, I'm shocked though that like team doctors who are all over players, and even they give coaches monthly medical checkups. I mean, blood pressure, all that stuff that gets those old coaches that are eating ham sandwiches 50 days in a row and tacking on 40 pounds. Well, the players get three times that treatment that you have a quarterback with an eye issue. I mean, that said, I've needed LASIK surgery for a decade and haven't gotten it, so I'm not going to kill him too much, but um, you know, well, that's preventing say, me from being say, on your softball
2: team. Let's say you had the <laughs> equivalent of Whatever what LASIK does to improve eyesight, you would need a surgery on your throat that would eat, that would correct your throat and make you a way better podcaster. Wouldn't you do it if you had the uh, ability to do it and the resources? I It's just yes. is so weird to me that he went through the first 25 years of his life, including four for five years as an NFL quarterback and just like. Punted on that until his career got upended. It just—he's—he's like—he's so, so great, Wes, for unintentional comedy. It's one of my favorite aspects of the Jameis Winston uh, experience.
5: Right. You just summed up the problem with Jameis Winston and the idea that Lasik would fix everything. <laughs> his decision making was to put off Lasik, LASIK surgery for yeah. five years. Yeah, that's fair.
3: But when you have I, a vision problem, I'll say one thing: you don't know sometimes what. What it looks like. I I got glasses after like a 15 year period of not being able to see well or, you know, making up signs when I was driving because I was just assuming what the signs were like when you get glasses, you forget what it what it felt like as a kid to have that clear vision, to be able to even see leaves on a tree. So I, I wonder, you know, Winston didn't wasn't raised in some sort of rich household where they got immediate medical care for everything. Maybe it just never really Clicked in, but it is odd. I mean, you think when you get in that college football pro world, they would have fixed that right away.
4: I just can't wait till we're covering the NFC championship game. Breeze got hurt and Winston is the guy that, that they have, that they needed to stop uh, checking in the playoffs. That He's the guy who to put them over the top.
2: I just cannot foresee just the way sports are and the way this guy's career is going, where he just seems to be the Forrest Gump of the NFL, where he's going to find himself in high leverage situations with everyone watching him that he doesn't actually end up taking meaningful snaps this year. I don't wish ill on Drew Brees, but I just well, we learned he's only happen. making 1 million,
4: which is really what a discount. I mean, he's almost at the, the minimum since the last show. So that, you know, compared to Taysom Hill, that would indicate that, you know, w- they're not putting too much stock into Winston, at least not in 2020, that that the fact that they got him at that price is is wild after a 5,000 yard season.
5: Remember that. Postseason press conference when he was talking about getting a hundred million dollar contract and Bruce mm-hmm. Aaron was like, Whew, I guess I'm gonna have to go look for someone else. Our net, our network said that he
4: was um didn't really want the franchise tag because he was expecting to make more than that. The franchise tag would have been for like twenty-seven, twenty-eight million dollars.
3: Well, isn't that what your agent <laughs> needs to step in a little bit and say, Let's take a look at reality here?
4: I think that is the agent.
2: I think I think the agent did a bad job. It's one of the great sliding doors and it will be of this decade of NFL football, if Winston doesn't flame out in those last two weeks and throw six or seven picks, including a season ending pick six, uh, do the bucks proceed with him uh, going forward? Do they give him the fat contract? Does Tom Brady end up somewhere else? Does he stay in new England? It's Mm. uh, we'll never, ever know. All right. Finally, one last bit of quarterback sizzle. Uh, Someone got in touch with Brett Favre, and you knew they were going to get in touch with Brett Favre about this Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love business, uh, because famously, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted in 2005, Brett Favre gave him the cold shoulder and thought the Packers were doing him dirty, and it led to you know, a lot of histrionics around that organization for a few years. Well, now they want to see what Favre thinks about Rodgers, who apparently is his buddy now. Here's what he told Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show on the NBC Sports Network. Even said yourself.
0: I place else. You do. You cut me off. You, yeah. th- you think he will not end his career as a Green Bay Packer just like you? Um, my gut tells me no. And I, I don't know this for certain, but I guarantee you it's got the wheels turning in Aaron's mind, which, which, if, if that's the case, then that means that there's a chip on his shoulder towards the organization that otherwise was not there. And so he, all he needs is a reason other than this reason, uh, to expedite that.
2: Rodgers is 36 years old. He has 4 years and 134 million left on the extension he signed a couple of years back, and when you dig into that contract, you almost cannot trade him without completely sinking your organization financially with the cap until after next season. Uh so if Rodgers does move, it would be a very difficult uh pill for the Packers to swallow uh before the 2022 season.
5: Favre's comments remind me so much of Tom Brady's dad about five years ago when he said it ends. It doesn't end well. It never does. It's a business. Feelings get hurt and it doesn't end well. And who knows if that for Rogers is one year or three years. I I think that he's the one who determines that. Yeah. Jordan
4: Love might determine it, too, though. If Jordan Love's a bust. It's just gonna change. It's just gonna change the equation. Um I the most interesting thing about that interview to me with between Favre and Eisen was that you know Favre and Rogers talked that 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 Aaron Rodgers gave Brett Favre a call after this and wanted to talk about it. So
3: well, they've been working on a documentary together for a couple of years. I mean, not okay. day after day, but there have been there has been contact in They're process of this.
4: Yeah, so they they really are tight and. And while Favre started the interview by saying he's not gonna pass along, you know, what Rogers said, because he didn't want to betray that confidence. I mean he basically did in the end. I mean he basically in the <laughs> clip the clip that you just you know, the, the quote that we that we heard, you know, he basically yeah, he that, there. that the wheels are are grinding yeah. and that he's gonna have something against the team and that that basically he wasn't too fired up.
3: Yeah, all he needed was a reason. To expedite the process, essentially, and play elsewhere, Brett Favre said. And then you're you're right about the Tom Brady's father comments. I mean, that is Brady and the Patriots, not 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 ugly to the degree of Rodgers and Favre and all that business. But you know Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, when he left to go to the Chiefs, that was a little messy itself. I mean, you're being Very. someone is replacing you. But my one thing is, I don't know how we know that Jordan Love is a bust until he gets. A long, a long leash to play, and and that would itself cause major issues with Aaron Rodgers. So.
2: Ricky, you have a take on this whole Rogers saga?
1: Yeah. Um, lately on the bachelor spinoff, listen to your heart. It's where they couple <laughs> up based on music as well. And there are music performances. Oh, they're running there. out of ideas
2: on it's, that. Uh... It's
1: so cringy yep. bad, but Jordan Rogers <laughs> was a guest judge this week. Looks really like the better looking version of Aaron. Well, he got um, cleaned
2: up. He He went the whole Hollywood angle.
1: Right. But, right. you know, they went in deep on his family relationship. Um, and that's, that's all I have to say that (laughs) I saw him this week. All right.
2: (laughs) So So there, so just to put a button on that, Erica saw Jordan Rogers on a reality television
3: show
1: this week. Yes. This week. Carry on. Feel like you have
3: information you're holding back from us, but, um, we will get to that another time.
4: You're keeping us in touch with the young kids. I didn't even know about this show that it existed. I don't think the
2: bachelor is for young kids. I think it's for, (laughs) Like well, this spin off is, this spin-off people, is with than me. people
4: with a lot of free time are, are watching. What is this called?
1: It's called The Bachelor Presents. Listen
2: to your heart. I mean, yeah, that's it's like
1: it's yeah. it's so bad. But you gotta be gotta,
2: running out of personal ideas it's, and projects it's the, again, the cousin Oliver Brady Bunch it. thing here. The yeah. bachelor's like, what are we gonna do here? Well, right, like let's,
1: Jordan. Let's put Jordan Rogers was, you know, dancing during one of their performances, and he's like, "I can feel your chemistry on stage." Oh boy, and read then a book. He was like, and then he was like, "I hate Aaron Rodgers."
2: That <laughs> <I'm just laughs> you should have led with that. No,
1: he didn't say that.
2: Should have. This is a
5: comment. Read a book. <laughs> Crack a book open once in a while. Put the reality shows away. That's all I'm going to say for everyone watching these shows to the yeah, point where okay, real. you watched The Bachelor, but that wasn't enough. Now you need The Bachelor cast off with Cousin Oliver.
1: Wes, get off your high horse. I just finished a big book, and oh my I gosh jazz yesterday. I listened to jazz while I played cards, and if I want to literally relax with a glass of wine and watch some stupid TV, you can shove it right where the sun don't shine. <laughs> I love it. Wes, Wes has been rendered <laughs> silent. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? You can't help
5: people who won't help themselves.
1: Oh, my God. I'll destroy you.
3: All
2: right. And,
1: and what?
3: <laughs> I don't think I don't think see, I don't think Wes is yeah, well, I, I don't blind, think you will. I think, I think she was talking will. about cornhole.
2: Uh, Gosh, no. remember I cornhole. Remember when we used uh, to play cornhole? Remember when we used to see each other in the same area and Throw eggs and cheers? I remember and, social life. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> now uh, I
1: only read books.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erica. Stop making trouble. Scram. <laughs> get
1: out of here. That's We're what's good. happening. Yeah.
2: She's still on the screen, by the way. Bye. All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right, let's get right to it um pressure points under pressure can i do it everyone's counting on me i can't let them down <laughs> players who in the post free agency post draft landscape did i explain that before the show started or after cuz that's not going to make <laughs> sense to people if they don't oh uh, yeah you did you did i said it during the show it was yeah it was part of our show <laughs> shut up greg <Craig>. um <laughs> I had a cousin or I still have a cousin, Jimmy. We'd play wiffle ball, all the cousins. And, uh, he was susceptible to mental games. So when it, we, when he was at the plate in a big spot in the wiffle ball game, we, the opposing team would just start to like very kind of under our breath, but loud enough that he could hear in the batter's box say things like pressure, pressure. Everyone's counting <laughs> on me. Wait, how old is I cousin Jimmy at this time? Jimmy was probably seven. You what? Know? <laughs>
5: You're already running train on his psyche.
2: I mean, we were 10, you know, nine, but, uh, and, uh, sometimes it would, it would get to him and he would get out of his mindset and struggle. And you know what, Wes, you, sh- you should agree. I mean, you grew up in a house with what? Seven other boys, six other boys. You, I mean, I'm sure that stuff happened all the time. Everybody knew what buttons to push and how to get ahead, especially in sports. I think which
5: buttons to push is very well said. I don't know that we ever picked on one of the others for being like mentally deficient or psychologically <laughs> well, fragile. Wasn't mentally
2: deficient. He was just susceptible was, to that level. Wait, of is he rotting. a functioning
3: adult right now? Does he yeah, have very a successful? Okay. So yeah. I nice. think in backyard,
5: like wiffle ball, there aren't as many like pressure moments as there might be say in the world series. I mean, if yeah, if you're feeling pressure, too,
4: if if he's feeling pressure, then sports probably is not going to be the avenue he he goes down. You know, <laughs> anyway, sports like are
3: probably it, not that, for you. Taking bullets all over the body. I
2: I still, whenever I think of the the West household in West Cincinnati, I just think about Mama Wesley bringing home that T-bone and just throwing it to the bottom of the steps, <laughs> and the boys just fighting for it and tearing it that, apart. That was more like the
5: bucket of peanut butter, not a T-bone. <laughs>
3: I mean, My you guys favorite favorite like that today when
4: we get together with you, please. My best friend was a was a brick was a brick.
5: <laughs> <laughs> My favorite toy was a stick and a wheel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Erica Erica just came in to laugh on the screen. All right, let's get to it. You know what, Wes? You and I we've met all your brothers. They're all we're almost all of them all well adjusted men for the most part. And I think that that helped them grow, didn't it? That Absolutely. pressure and that. Uh, a, lot a lot of character
5: building. A lot of character building and great parents. Great parenting there. So yeah, no complaints.
2: I'm just continuous now to annoy Greg
5: now.
4: <laughs> Wait, why are you why would it be annoying me? I would want to I would I would welcome a Wrestling
5: Brother podcast. I love it. Greg's almost like the eighth wrestling brother. Mm. I mean you're even you You've been oh, missing Greg one did.
4: for a while. I could just, you know, step in.
5: Greg would fit in well. That Everybody popping over each other, Greg. shouting each other down. It would be – Greg <laughs> would fit in perfectly with the West.
3: Greg lobbying to replace one of the brothers who's in a bit of a tough position right now. That's
4: no <laughs> Just saying, he hasn't Taking been, notes. you know, you know carrying
2: his weight lately. That's all.
3: Mm.
5: Wow. He'll have a chance.
2: <laughs> Depends what other people say. All right, let's uh, get to it. Who's under pressure? Who's facing – Um, an added level of pressure now that the draft and the free agency uh, periods have ended. Greg, get us going. Ooh. All right. I'm
4: going to start in uh, Washington. Feel like we have not talked about the Washington football team at all. How about um, Dwayne Haskins and Scott Turner? Remember Dwayne Haskins? I mean, he was taken about five rounds before Gardner Minshew and, um, I feel like at this point, everyone's already given up on Haskins, even though he was a top 16 pick. And he at least had some moments. I don't mm-hmm. think he could throw away his career because of a, a rough rookie start. They are under pressure because, you know, they take Chase Young in the first round. They they take uh, a couple flyers on offensive guys. Antonio Gibson, who's kind of like a running back wide receiver type. But they trade away Trent Williams. And you have a first-time coordinator in Scott Turner. And you have Dwayne Haskins. And your skill position group is Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon, and Trey Quinn, who is kind of an intriguing young receiver group, but it's a new offense and a young quarterback who's going to try to make all of those guys better. You still have Adrian Peterson and Geiss as your running game. Like They're going to have to go out there and try to compete. There guys I
2: forgot about that guy, too. And in, in
4: survive in 2020 uh, in a year where teams are just loaded on offense. And it's like, here you go, Haskins. Pr- prove us wrong, because if not, you're going to get benched for for, for Kyle Allen, who we brought
2: over from Carolina, that's a good one. He was on my list too. Greg Haskins simply has to take a big step forward, and yeah, we look at the rookie quarterbacks; they deserve that time to. If you believe in them, and especially if they're a premium pick, I feel like you can't bury him for having a tough rookie year. But the thing with Haskins is, and whether it was fair or not, there was that chatter. Uh, that he might not love it, that he might not live and breathe this, that he might not be working as hard as he has to work. So if that's actually a little bit of a concern in that building, he needs to rectify that and show them that he lives and breathes it and will put in the work to be a true star. Otherwise, they're just going to move on. They're going to go get somebody else with different leadership.
3: The only thing I'd say is Scott Turner spent a couple months watching every snap of Haskins, and whether you believe Ron Rivera or not, and I think Chase Young has a lot to do with it, he said recently in a conference call that there was literally zero contemplation around taking a quarterback. So I don't know if that means because of Chase Young, the, there was no debate um, or they liked enough of what they saw from Haskins in an offense that looked like it was shot out of 1932 where they wanted to, which I loved, finish games in an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes by running the ball 65 times. So it's not, it wasn't really a showcase scenario for Haskins, but uh, jury is out.
5: It would be interesting to watch the other side of the ball at, at pass rusher after tracing, drafting Chase Young. Ryan Kerrigan's going to be 32 years old and has a real good shot at clearing 100 sacks for his career quietly. They draft Montez Sweat last year in the first round. Who's getting benched for Chase Young to play? I, I guess they'll find a way for everyone to get snaps, but I, I have a feeling Sweat and Kerrigan might be splitting those snaps.
2: And... One last thing, and we we reported on this and wrote it up on NFL.com today. Ron Rivera, uh, the Redskins coach, uh, told Good Morning Football that the idea of Cam Newton following him to Washington, quote, depends on the circumstances. That, Mm -hmm. to me, would be the last thing you'd want to do. You might as well you might as well punt on Haskins now if you bring Newton in that building. And I guess I'm of two minds. You want to get the best play possible and, and have the best quarterback possible. But if you bring in Newton, you're basically telling the fans and Haskins you have serious doubt. And is Cam Newton going to be sitting on the bench for 16 games behind Haskins? I just don't see it. I don't see that as a healthy avenue for this team to go
3: down. I'm with you, but I, I feel like they, you know, the, the experience combining with Cam Newton, they went and got the Carolina quarterback they liked better.
2: Hmm. Although, and although, Alex Smith's still floating around somewhere. That's the question true. has
3: to be asked, why don't you think the same
5: way about Drew Locke and the Broncos as you do about Haskins and the Redskins?
2: I mean, I, I, I get it. That's why I'm saying I'm of, of two minds. If, But also, I guess the investment, too, I'm, I'm factoring in that uh, the first round pick, what was that, a top 10 pick, a top 15 six, pick? Six, yeah. I
3: believe, or something, or I could be wrong.
2: That, I don't know, you kind of undercut any belief in him, and Drew Locke was a second rounder, I believe. But I, I see your point there, Wes. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Wes, you go.
5: Uh, I'm looking at Baker Mayfield.
2: Um,
5: With the offseason the Browns have had, there were a lot of years. We had high expectations last year, but there were a lot of reasons, specifically the offensive line, that it it didn't work out. But then to add Austin Hooper, to add um, who is a Harrison Bryant, who they got, they had Jedrick Willis, at right tackle. Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, uh, they, they've got a whole new offense. They're loaded, and, and I think the excuses are just out the window. They've even got a good backup who I, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield can't survive a slump at this point, but you know, first-round picks have been benched for extended slumps, so there is pressure there. I think the expectations this year, they're not going to be as high nationwide, but they should be in Cleveland. This This offense is more loaded than they were a year ago. I'd, ask,
3: I'd add also that they added someone in Case Keenum who Kevin Stefanski knows very well and trusts. So I'm not saying Case Keenum is a preferable quarterback to Baker Mayfield, but it's not like you go from Baker Mayfield into an untested abyss. There is someone in a slump you could lean on. I mean, it feels to me a little bit like the Browns, and I, I mentally am doing this too, um, are not really being talked about as a playoff-ready team. When you see these like teams that kind of killed the offseason, they're kind of being left off some of those lists just because I think we're human and we were totally exhausted with that storyline that turned into, um, total midnight last season. And I I couldn't agree with you more that Baker Mayfield and there, you know, Stefanski noted that he, unlike what happened with Mayfield a year ago, has given him a laundry list of things he needs to work on and accountably uh, show that he's made progress on, which is not the case last year in a totally disastrous, um, run team. I just think it was run so poorly and he was a victim of that. Um, but I would, I would agree that I would say more if you come out of this season and Baker Mayfield was the problem and not the solution to a, st- like a star studded offense, then anything could happen. Anything.
2: Yeah, you, you hit on it there, Mark. I think the biggest thing they did, it might turn out being sweeping out a woefully unprepared and unable to function coaching staff on top of it cuz the roster even going into free agency this year was pretty good. The line needed to be improved and they certainly did that. But when you factor in the player, the roster improvements, the new coaching staff with Stefanski, we'll see what he can do in the big chair, but he's a guy that can work with quarterbacks. There is pressure on Mayfield, but also if you're a Browns fan mark, I imagine you're thrilled that they basically instead of um, you know, going in a different direction or questioning the quarterback coming off a bad year. They said, no, we're going to build up all around him and give him another shot. Essentially a mulligan on 2019.
3: They had a much more organized and And I thought effective off season this year than last year. It's just that I, I get the exhaustion around that. I mean, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. And if they didn't
4: make the playoffs, it's like Stefanski has done just as bad a job as Freddie Kitchens or something crazy happens, injuries, what, you know, things, things can happen, but they are loaded. I mean, we don't even mention Hunt and Chubb. I mean, the fact that Njoku is like their second or third tight end. I mean, they're and unless unless the the rookie or Conklin doesn't work out that, you know, if Will's moving to left side, you know, you, you don't know he's a rookie that that could be an issue but if those tackles are good i mean they are loaded and they should be in the mix of that second tier right behind the chiefs uh and the ravens
5: outside of patrick mahomes is is there a quarterback with more to work with right than surrounding talent
2: and to that point if mayfield got off to a slow start how long is his leash with keenum ready to cook and having a coach that he's worked with and has succeeded uh so there is pressure on the kid but you know what mark you get the feeling that he's built to handle that as long as he doesn't, you know, talk too much to the media. I think there's things. a little that bit of like more heat I, on him.
3: I wouldn't ask anyone to go do this because it would be a painful exercise, but if you go watch some of the better Baker Mayfield haves and moments, like he was doing some of the stuff he was doing in 2018, but you mix in a lot of stuff he wasn't doing in 2018, which was concerning. All right. Uh go ahead, Mark. You know, I look at Tampa Bay where I really feel like the last um kind of question mark in another very loaded offense beyond some offensive line issues is the planet running back where they were, I thought Bruce Arians openly telecast that they're going to go find a pass catching back, um, which makes all the sense in the world for anyone that's watched Tom Brady over the last five, six years. And they addressed it in the draft. Now, they didn't address it like in round one or two, um, but they went and got Kashawn Vaughn, Um, who Arians called a three-down back, and they also got Raymond Calais, who uh, Arians referred to as a kind of much smaller David Johnson, but with some David Johnson-type skill set. So neither one of them were, like, premier pass catchers in college. Vaughn certainly grew towards the end um, in that that area, and someone that Arians sees could play three downs. The pressure point for me is Ronald Jones, who – I know Wes really liked um, moments from Ronald Jones. I thought they had a really good running back there, and I just don't see um, how he fits in, and other than anything but a really reduced um, stable, um, unless these rookies don't work out. But, I mean, the pass-catching side of this, if they want to give Tom Brady the kind of offense that he would desire, I think, matters a lot because you look at James White, and he wasn't just prolific. He caught nearly 200 passes in the regular season over the last two years and another 25 in the playoffs, so... If this is a big part of their offense, you're looking at some developing question marks on how it all plays out.
5: Hmm. Yeah, I see Ronald Jones as sort of the Sony Michelle there. He He's going to play on running downs. It wasn't just that I was happy with the way he ran. The coaching staff was happy with the way, way he ran and said as much. But he, they don't trust him in the passing game. They just don't trust him to keep Tom Brady um, clean back there. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see those rookies play ahead of him on passing downs. Wait, I mean Tom Brady
4: coaches up the running backs and the receivers I think that you know and and if he doesn't trust you then he disposes of you quickly. But he has had one of those guys next to him his entire career. Whether it was Kevin Falk, I mean whether it's Ben Jarvis Green Ellis for a little bit. They are they all weren't stars, but then it's Danny Woodhead and James White, like the the guys that he ends up choosing and usually there's like a couple in the mix and then like it's it's the one who can pass protect and is the one who can think the same way Brady as and I'm sure he's going to be anxious to get on the field with these guys like Keyshawn Vaughn. Cause like, if, if you only have three or four weeks, that, that's something that that's going to hurt the young skill position
2: players really at every position. Uh, let me close it with the entire team, the Buffalo bills. Uh, I'll, I'll narrow it down a little bit in a bit, but think about where they're at right now. And think about their roster in comparison to the other rosters in the AFC East and a draft that was successful before it even began because you filled a huge need uh, in a number one-ish wide receiver with Stefan Diggs uh, that cost you your first-round pick. And then they add a second-round pick that everybody seems to love, A.J. Epenesa, Epinesa? Epenza, Epenesa. Uh, that could mitigate some of the concerns people had about the defensive line being weakened with a loss of Shaq Lawson and others. I, I I think that this team is going to be dealing with something that this organization hasn't really had to deal with in multiple decades, which is expectations. You're expected you're going to be expected to dethrone the New England Patriots. And it's not going to be like, can they do it? People are going to expect them to do it. And teams have wilted under less uh, pressure in the past. And this idea that you need to be better than they went 10 and six last year. They need to be better than that for the season to be successful, I think. And I'll narrow it down to the quarterback and Josh Allen, who we've talked about a lot. Some people believe in him more than others. The Bills fans certainly do. I think we were all a little spooked by his performance in the second half of that playoff loss to the Texans. Uh, but it's interesting that they went and got that guy, Jake from uh, from Georgia who fell to the fifth round and was seen by many as a great move by the bills because from had a much higher um, draft stock. People thought going into the, the game uh, the draft, what happens if Allen plateaus, which I think is a coin flip to be quite honest. I, I, I would not be shocked at all if, Uh, Josh Allen is not the man like they want him to be with a new backup quarterback with expectations. There is the uh, possibility of pressure getting to this team Uh, or they go 13 and three and they, they are the new dogs in the AFC East, but we shall see. Hmm.
5: They have to play better than last year. I don't think they were as good as their record. You're not going to have the Jets and Dolphins at times last year were so bad as to be non-competitive. I don't see that happening again. Um, they had a pretty easy schedule. This team, I think the next step is you can't tell yourself you're going to win games with 18 points. you got to start scoring 25 or more regularly in order to be what you say that they think they are or what they the pressure will be to be the favorites in the East. If you're going to knock off the Patriots, you can't be an 18 to 20 point offense.
3: Hmm.
4: And to their credit, I think they knew that and they've they've built up their offense. I mean, that that's why you make the move for Stefan Diggs. You know, they've they've done such a good job. They they brought back the entire offensive line, but they have some depth there. They've got depth throughout the roster. I mean, it looks great. It really does look great on paper. And Allen doesn't have to play much better, even as much as I've been on him. I think he's a functional NFL quarterback. I just question like the, the upside and whether he's ever going to, whether he's going to be better than average. But if he, if he plays this year next, you know, in 2020, like he did last year, like they should win games. The schedule is a is a big part of it, and to your point, Dan, the expectations can't. You know what? How do you handle being two and three? Because you're not going to be piling up wins over the Redskins and Giants. Like the the AFC schedule just worked out for everyone. The Patriots weren't as good as the record. The Jets weren't as good as the record. The Dolphins weren't as good as the record. And, and this year it looks a lot tougher on paper. Do
2: you think they're a, gonna? Oh, go ahead, Mark.
3: Well, I was gonna say one strength they have is to me Sean McDermott. I mean, it's easy to forget he tugged a pretty bad Bills team into the playoffs three years ago. And there's been a consistent, um, I think, beeline towards success with him and Brandon Bean. And, you know, there are a handful of teams that um, would wish to run as smoothly as the Bills do right now. And to me, they're not a team that is, um, you know, a bunch of big egotistical guys that are going to clash and crumble the same way some others would. I I like what the Bills are, are doing, but you're right, Dan, that if suddenly the Patriots are seven and one, and, you know, with Jared Sidham and the Bills are four and four and with a lot of issues, then then the pressure starts to mount. But um, everything that Sean McDermott's done up between, from when the minute he's been hired and it's easy to remember how tumultuous coaches and GMs were in that Bills building for so long that um, it's I just I see the arrow up for them all the way. Uh, I do.
2: They did bring in Stefan Diggs, a guy that you wonder how he'll handle a long winter in Western New York If Josh Allen is struggling. Yeah. Uh, But
3: if you want to get any great wide out, most of them are going to be there. There's a diva factor to these guys and either you, you stay away from. these, But not everyone is as
2: vocal as he is on Twitter. And that I'm not that worried about it, but do you think they're going to ask Allen to do more this year? Because that's sometimes it can be the enemy of success. I'm thinking of a guy that like Mark Sanchez during the Jets days where it's like, oh, we, we do believe in him, and he's been pretty promising this first couple of years. Let's have him throw the ball more because we think he'd give it a star, and then that could lead to the offense taking a step back. I wonder with Diggs there if, they, if they're if they going to put more on Allen's plate, and if they do, can he handle it?
4: I think they're going to throw more. I mean, they have Dawson Knox at tight end. Tyler Croft's coming back. You know, I, I liked um, – Pick at running back to Zach Moss behind Singleton. I mean, they're going to throw it a lot. I like Dable. Their their offensive coordinator has done a good job. I think building around Allen's strengths and kind of making him the best version that he can be. So I have no reason to think that they won't kind of um, develop him that way this year
2: too. Make him look good, like play to his strengths. Over under. Start with you, Wes. Wins for the Buffalo Bills nine and a half. I'll take the over, Greg. I. It, I'll take the under, but
4: I, it's funny because I'm going to be picking them. I'm sure, like when we do all the little schedules, I'll, I'll put that over because I do think they're going to win. You know, they're going to be my pick to win the division, but that's hard. It's hard. Like so many things can happen. I'd go under nine and a half for almost every team in the AFC except for two. Such a Greg answer, Mark.
3: <laughs> I'll go. I think. <laughs> true. I think Sorry. they'll go about ten and six again in a different way than they did last year. And uh, will that be good enough to win the division? It might. I mean, the, I'm not convinced. Either the Jets or Dolphins are about to, you know, well, skyrocket Patriots. into the playoffs. I'm,
2: I'm banging the under. And I'm going to say someone else is going to win that division. I don't know. Other Just than gotta, the Patriots? No, Patriots could win. I could see nine and seven winning that
4: division. I could see it being one of the worst divisions in football, like, like it's been for the most part um, for the last decade. <laughs>
2: All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. We will be uh, back on Monday. How about that? Our regularly scheduled off-season schedule. So we'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. When is the schedule released? When is that happening? They May ninth,
3: I believe.
4: By by May ninth. They keep and one of our reporters said that keep an
5: eye on the seventh as the date. So, Wes, well, it's your favorite time of the year: schedule release time. I mean, every year it's bad enough that they tell you, "Hey, can't wait for these games that are going to happen in seven months." Now it's like, "Can't wait for these games that are going to happen in an un-
3: indeterminate future." Well, Wes, <laughs> you're going to have to company man this one. I'm sorry, you got You're going to have to pull that line. Wait, Wes, I team. want you to write. <laughs> I want
4: you to lead your article about the schedule release with that. And see yeah, what
5: here, analyze these games. What? What do you mean, analyze them?
2: Well, they sure. take place in an uncertain future. You have an incredible appetite for reading and knowledge. You should know that our features editor, Ali Bumpuri, connected with me this morning to ask if I will be again writing the revenge games piece (laughs) about the 2020 schedule release. And I said, absolutely, sir.
3: Yep. I have the easiest schedule. So I'm assuming, Wes, he'll be ringing your doorbell soon with the request of his own. I have top 10 offenses due on Monday. That's no, not bad. That is not
4: a, we that's all not, have other assignments, too. Doesn't, this doesn't, is yeah, a auxiliary. I've got yeah. I've away. got tougher right. schedules.
2: I got tougher schedules.
5: happy to write the schedule article as long as they print what I write.
2: As long as they pay you not about that.
5: <laughs> as long as they print it, how I write
2: it. You um, know that, that is. How go well about know,
4: I do NFL. like com. finding out like the Thanksgiving games. We'll see at least what they're scheduling. You're not for the London games. Yeah, I mean, one
5: thing was yeah. The well, what was on game? Hey, there's gonna be an Amazon... played. I'll clue in. Like, there's what about
3: an Amazon like a prime game? Twelve year old West fan. Like, I loved when the schedule would come out and I'd find it in like USA Today and pour over it for hours. Like, you that also did nothing for Isn't you. Isn't that boy in, in there somewhere, West? No, like you. at
5: no point in my life was a May schedule release. That's baseball season. Like that. No, at <laughs> no right. point am I pouring <laughs> over a schedule to see what could happen in seven months. My best no, friend just,
3: was just a simple rube, and I enjoyed it as a child when the schedule released. We all the, have you know, our likes and
5: dislikes. Out. That was never doing it for me. Let's bring was, Ricky
1: back in. I was in.
3: downstairs playing with my brick. I didn't need a schedule. <laughs> Ricky West says we
2: all have our likes and dislikes. I'm sure you have a take there after what he said to you. But yeah, your that, that felt
1: personal. That felt. uh Yeah, that felt personal. West just shook his head. Yeah, was West? Are we okay?
5: Yeah. Hey, watch The Bachelor. I'm just not sure you need to watch The Bachelor Jr. and The Bachelor, like <laughs> part seven, and The Bachelor, like the whole Bachelor family to keep all these people lining their coffers with money. The Bachelor's you dog. Watch some reduced version of your show, <laughs> Bachelor hey, in Space.
1: You guys should go back and watch this week's episode just to see uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother because it will give you a lot of insight for your job. So you should do that.
2: <laughs> all right. Good idea. All right. Speaking of books, Wes, I just got delivered in the mail today the definitive Michael Jordan um, biography by Rowan Lazenby who who wrote that one. No, what's the title? What's like the 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 definitive Jordan book playing for keeps
5: playing for keeps by Halberstam. Yes, that that's the best one. I
2: think that's been overdue. I've been meaning to read that one for a long time. And obviously, the. ESPN series finally uh, led to the purchase. So I'm looking forward to that.
5: It's it's a great book. It's in the I think I would put that right behind Breaks of the Game. Also by Halberstam as the two best NBA books. Mm. Mark,
1: when are you going to break down Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? Well, as I mentioned to you, that that's that took off <laughs> for like
3: me right private. away. I loved that show <laughs> and then I got to episode 2 or 3 and everyone on the show was you got to have a likable person. You got to see kind of yourself and someone, even if they're a mess. And it's there was just no one. Play the premise
1: to West real quick before we get off.
3: The premise of Two Ought to Handle. They're which just, trying to I mean, spread out the Wes anger Well, it's here. like Are top on? 10 on, the, on Netflix right now. And you basically, it, it is like 12 to 14, like insanely hot, young, in shape um, men and women put together on some tro- tropical locale, very original. And... uh You know, they are not allowed to do anything physical with each other, but they found they they seem to have found like super um amped up high libido people where that is like, oh you know, I'm not gonna meditate for a month. They simply cannot handle that challenge and they're all starting to like fall for each other. And then they they'll dump a few people and bring in like new. But if you kiss,
1: it's like three grand. There's a hundred thousand dollar prize and you know, depending on the act, it's like $20,000 Twenty thousand dollars could be deducted, depending on if they break what, the rules.
2: And what happens if you are intimate? on well, the, it the depends
1: level? on depends on the level. No, I mean, the
2: in, most intimate of intimate acts. I think it's thirty
3: six thousand or thirty six hundred dollars is gone no, from
2: this.
1: Thousand, like, hundred, thirty thousand dollars out of Out of a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but
3: then you. But then, like, you, someone has to win at the end, and all the other all the other people hate you. That you have no like stuff. Now, I will say this, Wes. The description is somehow juicier than the show itself. The show um, I'm aware of a very quick cliff. And I already Net- know you wouldn't watch to begin with. Netflix you don't need has to go been there.
5: peddling it my way for a while. And <laughs> and I'm like, OK, so how is this different from the other 13 shows just like it, except you're allowed to have sex?
2: If I, like, I, I, mean, I
5: the hook yeah. isn't really reeling me in here.
2: If I <laughs> was on that show, same show and I had my way and I and I got what I want, I would at the end of the show, owe them money. And I just like, that's fine. That was an amazing three months I had on the island. That's how I would play it. Like, who good. needs? Forget about the prize. What about just enjoying yourself on the island?
3: Get loose. Well, you got to find a female with the same, you know, devil may care attitude as you. Some of them were very money oriented, so it's not quite as easy as you're making it out to be.
2: I'm just saying, in in, in an ideal world.
3: Well, that's all. They're also meant to be operating as a team. We are discussing this way too long. This is longer <laughs> than our segment. This we have gone on way too long.
2: <laughs>
5: all right.
1: There's a book of it, Wes. I'll send it to you.
5: No, thanks. (laughs)
2: The book version.
5: There are so many good books. Why waste time with a bad one? Wes,
4: did did you get a lot of pings? It's a picture book. It's, it's, you know, like four (laughs) words per page.
2: Did you get a lot of pings, Wes, about the author that lives next to you?
5: I did. Quite a few guesses. Uh, At least two or three people got it right. But Mm -hmm. quite a few got
2: it wrong. Okay. There you go.
1: Did you tell them they got it right?
2: I did. Oh, Oh, you did? Yeah. See, this is... Hello, stalker. This is, this is entering potentially a tricky situation now.
3: That's just how explain. you form the friendship, Wes, is to, to uh, you know, allow this author that you're trying to get into his good graces. I've just told people on the internet from like Scotland to like North Africa to middle America, where you live. Don't well, talk. they don't know where I live first. They could <laughs> find that be- out in about eight minutes. Hmm. <laughs> I could find that on Google. Maybe we minutes. don't
5: encourage them.
3: <laughs> Just saying. Uh, we, we have, have to tonight. sign off
2: because uh, Mark said he has somewhere to be at one. P. I do have to go in pandemic. three
3: minutes, so let's go. Where are you going? I have another media thing to do. Ooh. It's a Brown. It's a Brown's podcast. Oh. And I'm not. You know. You Want
4: to plug it? Mark's doing a nice. He's setting up. I will up afterwards
3: his, when it's available. I'm not sure. Hey, when you, it never, get, you, you never. You never know.
4: Right now, you got to set up other potential work opportunities in case uh, we get the old.
2: Hey, you know, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not quite that savvy. <laughs> All right. This is Dan Hanzo signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss and Rick Hollywood. in West Hollywood. Rick Hollywood in West Hollywood. Until Monday. Now.